Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. I got a word for you today. I hope you got your Bibles, man. I want to dig in. We've been in this series called Cool Summer. In the hottest time of the year, we're trying to figure out ways to renew our minds, to to refresh our spirits in the hottest time of the year. And we've been talking about a lot of different people in God's word that have found themselves in some pretty heavy situations that they didn't know how to deal with. And God found them where they were, and he reframed their thinking. He renewed their mind. We talked about David. I love David. And what he says in Psalms 51.10, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Let me tell you something. It is always important to renew your thinking. That's why the Bible says things like do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Every day I wake up, I'm praying, God, please renew my mind. Because if you don't ask him to do that, then you're going to get overwhelmed by the trials of life. And these people that I talked about in the Bible, one was David, one was the prophet Elijah. After his greatest uh, victory, defeating the 400 plus prophets of Mount Carmel, he was terrified that Jezebel was going to kill him. He ran away from her, sat under a tree, and after his greatest victory, he asked God to kill him. Sometimes even after your greatest victories, the lies of the enemy can operate in your mind And he can make you think that you are losing when you're actually winning. So in this season of life, last craziest 18 months that we have all been through as humans, I know there's folks that may be feeling uncertain or unsure about what may come next. But I challenge you to constantly renew your thinking in the Lord. You don't have to know what's happening tomorrow to know that everything will be okay when you got Jesus. I believe that because I constantly renew my mind and I get rest when I need to get rest. So in this now seventh part of this cool summer series, I want to I wanna talk to you about another person that find themselves in a very crazy situation and he needed to reframe the way that he thought to get out of the situation. We find David in a cave, we find Elijah under a tree, and we also found him in a cave as well at one point. But today, I want to talk about Jonah, who found himself in a different kind of cave. It was a cave that was actually alive. It was a big fish, amen? Uh, I want to talk about Jonah today and how he got out of his situation. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Jonah chapter 2. Verses 1 through 10. I promise you I will not go long. I, I, y'all, see, hold up y'all cool fan. Let me see. See, y'all got y'all fan to protect y'all from the humidity. It's just me and Jesus up here. So I promise you I'm going to go. Let me see. If you got your fan, hold it up. Let me see. I think it'll just make a cool shop IG. So just hold up your fan. I think that's awesome. All right. I hope somebody got that. If they didn't, oh, well, we missed it. So <laughs> if you got your Bible, turn to Jonah. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, it reads like this. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, 
and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, to the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Underline this line right here. Yet I will look again, look again towards your holy temple. Verse 5, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains. I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. While my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you. Your grateful praise will sacrifice. Excuse me. It says, to the Lord, my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Excuse me, verse 8. It's hot. Can't think straight. Here we go. Verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. Underline this next part. What I have vowed, I will make good. That's a good place to say amen. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And all the church said, amen. If you are taking notes in this seventh part of this cool summer series, I've entitled it this. Look again, make it right. Look again, make it right. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you once again for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad. God, I thank you that before the earth began to spin on this axis, you knew each and every person that was going to be here. You knew each and every person that was going to watch online today. And God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful, God. Help me to lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my own, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, I pray that hearts, minds, and ears be open and receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. I know we're talking about Jonah, but I pray that people can see Jesus in this scripture. And God, I pray for the person that feels like it's over. I pray for the person that's trying to process out loud their feelings. God, I pray that you would help them to look again and make it right. I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said. Take about five seconds and give Jesus a shout of praise. Here we go. One, two, three, go. You ever get to a point where you know you need to go on vacation? You, you're like, yo, if I don't go on vacation, somebody going to get hurt. I felt that way a couple weeks back. Now, I love everybody. But there were some people I did not like very much. And the truth is, if you have experienced the world like I have in the last 18 months, man, if I could be honest, I think everybody needs a vacation. Like, we all just need to get away a little bit. And I want to tell the person that is on the fence right now that's like, ah, I can't leave if, 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 if I leave right now, something's going to fall apart. I would offer you this thought. 
if you don't leave, you may fall apart. At the end of the day, you got to make sure, you got to know yourself enough to know when you need to get away from other humans. I love people, but I don't always like them. And when I get like that, I don't like feeling like that, I get away. So um, me and my wife had the privilege after, after my goodness, it was probably like two years of not going anywhere, right? It's crazy. Because um, you know how it is when you get in church planting, but well, y'all don't know how it is. Like, I know how y'all ain't pastors, I'm the pastor. So it's like, y'all don't know, I know. Okay. I'm like, you know how it is when you plant in church. You don't know, you ain't know. Okay. When you plant in church, you're scared to get away because you're like, man, if I leave, something may happen. And then obviously the pandemic hits, and it's like, yo, I got to make sure I put out more content than ever. I got to make sure people feel connected, man. I got I to gotta make sure we call in all the families. I got to make sure that we stay engaged and touch with people. It was hard to get away. Because I felt like if we went away, then something may go wrong. And God spoke to me clearly. He says, hey, if you don't get away, something may go wrong with you. So we went on vacation. And it was awesome. I got to spend time. Like, like when I say we went, on, we went on vacation. Like, I love my baby girl, Vava. She's 11 years old. But we went on vacation from her, too. You got to take vacation. Like, I love my baby. And y'all know you love your kids, but don't, listen, don't lie. Some of y'all need a vacation from your kids. We sent baby girl and grandma and grandpa. We took a vacation, and we went to the island of Hawaii. Now, I've never been to Hawaii, and I always wanted to go. And part of my, my, my plan in going to Hawaii was all strategic. I was like, all right, you know, we could just go to the Caribbean. It's right here, but I'm like, man, it's, it's hurricane season. Like, I don't want to pay for the tickets, get, get stuck down there, and then, you know, some kind of rain come, and then we ain't having fun. We got to stay inside the whole time. So it's like, all right, let's go to the west. Let's go our west. Let's go to the Pacific Ocean. It's probably going to be more chill out there. I want to go to Hawaii anyway. Let's go. I'm sure it's less humid than it is in South Florida. So we went. And, man, we were, we were having a ball, and, and – and we got there, and I think the thing that I love the most about visiting places that I have never been to before, I like talking to the people that live there. I like talking to locals because they give you different perspective. And man, it was like everybody was like super friendly in Hawaii, and I loved it. I know some of y'all saw like my wife's Instagram story. She was jumping off mountains, almost killed herself, all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> it was awesome. I was like, no. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I like to talk to, I like to be more laid back, okay? I don't like to do as much crazy stuff as my wife. I like talking to people, getting like the history of things. I like just being in nature. Like, that's why I don't even mind being out here today. I like being outside, man. I like smelling the, the fresh air, man. I like seeing all of God's creation, but I love talking to the locals. And everywhere that we went, I don't know. It's like we had like a beacon on us. Like everybody knew that we weren't from there. So as we're walking around, everybody would ask us the same question. They would say, hey, where are you from? And I would always answer, I'm from Miami. I was born and raised in the county of Dade, Carroll City, 305. Holla at your boy. Right? Like I give that intro to everyone. Right? So I said, I said what? You come from where? I was like, Miami, like, I mean, it's not a big deal. I've been here my whole life, man. It's my 39th, almost 40th year of life. I was like, it's all right. Hey, I'm, I'm from Miami. You come from Miami. I, I Joanne, am I making this up? Everywhere we went, I've been wanting to go to Miami my entire life. 
I love that place. Man, is it like it is on TV? Oh, my God. Is, oh, do y'all have flamingos everywhere? Is it like Miami Vice? I'm like, Miami Vice ain't been on in 20 years. Like, it's not even like. They were asking me all these. I'm trying to ask them questions about Hawaii. They're asking me questions about Miami. Everybody wanted to come here. And then, and then after I told them they was, I was from Miami, you know what the, the next thing they said was? Why you come here? Every single person. Well, and I, and I try, like, I, 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 I'm like trying to explain my life. I was like, yeah, well, the humidity on that coast is different. It was like, nah, bro. Like, the why, why, why? I was like, the mountains? They're like, nah, bro. Why do you come here? And me and my wife began to come to the realization. As much as I loved Hawaii, after spending some time there, we began to have more appreciation for where we came from. And in the process, I love, we were sitting on the beach having conversations like, man, you know, we really like being outside. How come we live 15 minutes from the beach and we never at the beach? Like, how come we never go outside? Like, like, like it's, it's right there. Like, we enjoying this beach here, but why can't we enjoy the beach where, where we at? Like, what's, what's really the difference? And I made a plan. I was like, oh, girl, when we get home, we gonna do this every week. How many times you went somewhere else, you appreciated it there, you get home, we gonna do this every weekend. I was like, I'm gonna buy a tent, I'm gonna buy some chairs, I'm gonna leave it in the back of my truck, I'm gonna get a cooler, and we gonna be at the beach. It's gonna be like our mini Hawaiian vacation every weekend, girl. She's like, yeah, that sounds nice, that's good. I get the gram too, because the sunlight, the angles be good at the beach and all that, so this is good for me. It wasn't until I left the place that I was called to that I realized that I actually like being called to the place I was called to. How many of you know, sometimes you got to get away to have a change of perspective? If I learned anything on that trip, it was that I live where other people vacation. And it caused me to change my perspective. You see, the most important thing about taking time away or a break in your schedule, the most important thing about it is to gain new perspective. If you are not taking time out of your everyday life or out of your ordinary routine to step away, there's no way you can have proper perspective. Sometimes you got to be away from something to appreciate it. How many of y'all really appreciate inside the cultural center right now? Sometimes you got to get away to have a proper perspective. And the thing that I love the most about this story of Jonah is that we get to read Jonah's words as he explains to us how he came to a brand new perspective. You see, Jonah was running from a place that he was called to. The place was called Nineveh. He, Jonah was a prophet, and God had called him. He says, hey, I need you to go to Nineveh. The people there are crazy. This is where I'm calling you to go and preach my gospel. Jonah said, no, I ain't doing it. He jumped on a boat, went in the opposite direction of the place that God had called him to. He gets on the boat, 
There's all kinds of storms that start, storm starts going crazy. The people on the boat, they're like, ah, what's going on? What's happening? Somebody on here, the main God, man, they ain't even serve the same God that Jonah did. But they're like, somebody on here. How many of you know when you're in trouble, everybody see God? <laughs> somebody on here, the main God, man, we got to find who it is. While everybody's like, ha, ah! Jonah's sleeping. <laughs> He knew he was on there causing problems. They, they, they woke up, hey, hey, man, get up, man. Who are you? Where you come from? We don't know you. You ain't from Ryan. You ain't from Carroll City. How you come up in our spot? You know, it's like, man, what's, what's going on, man? You know, he got the coal in his eye. He just woke up. You see this storm? We about to die, and you sleeping. Somebody on here made God mad. Who was it? They start drawing straws. They start doing all kinds of stuff. And finally, Jonah's like, all right, y'all. It's me. I'm the one. All right, I'm, I'm the one that's causing the problem. If you get me off of this boat, he like volunteered to be thrown off the boat. If you throw me off of this boat, the wind and the waves will calm down. They was like, they looked at Jonah. They looked at the storm. They looked at Jonah. They looked at the storm. They looked at Jonah. You got to go. They throw Jonah off the boat. The storm calms down. Jonah should have died when they threw him into the depths of the ocean. But this is craziness. God sends a large fish to literally swallow Jonah. I know when we're kids, they tell us the story of Jonah and the whale. I'm not saying whale on purpose because the Bible says large fish. We assume it was a whale, but the Bible says a large fish swallows Jonah. Now, I don't know what's worse, being in the depths of the ocean or the belly of a fish. But this is the predicament that Jonah finds himself in. And when he gets in desperation after three days and three nights in the belly of a large fish, Jonah decides to pray. And when he prays, you see how, how, how differently he looks at the situation that God had called him to. He had a change of perspective that we are privy to in his prayer. And there are two things that I want you to gain from Jonah's perspective that will affect your perspective if you could just heed the words of God. And the first thing when you are trying to gain a new perspective that you should write down, if you got your cool church app with the notes part, you should write it down right there. The first thing I want you to get when you're trying to change your perspective is you got to look again. You got to look again. Look again. Look at what Jonah 2, 1 through 5 says. It says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. He answered me from the deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help. You listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Verse 4, I said, I've been vanished from your sight, yet... I will look again towards your holy temple. I will look again towards your holy temple. Look at your neighbor and say, look again. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second and say, look again. I love that Jonah takes a moment in his prayer to say, I will look again. I'm going to look at this situation again. 
I know what God told me. I was obedient. I disobedient, and I ended up in the belly of a fish. Sometimes you just got to look again. This past week, I love my baby girl. She's awesome. I talk about her all the time. Vava, she's 11 years old. She's, she's getting into that tween phase, that preteen phase. She's about to go to middle school. And I don't know what it is, man. I love her to death, and I know she loves Jesus, but she got that weird preteen angst. Y'all know what I'm talking about, parents? They get to that age, they just start acting weird. Like, like, like. They not, the, they not just the cute, cuddly little, little baby girl or boy that you once knew. Now they develop the personality. Now they got friends. Now somebody done told them they cool, so they try to act cool around you. Right? So my baby girl, look what she did. She did something. And I disagree with what she did. And as a parent, in the heat of the moment, ten parents, tell me if you've done this. Maybe it's just me. Nah, y'all good parents. Y'all ain't do this. It's just me. I looked at my baby girl in the heat of the moment because I was frustrated by the decision that she made. And I said, what's wrong with you? Hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, it's just me. I'm the only parent out there. Like, child, what is wrong with you? And when I said it, I looked dead into her face. And I could tell she was shocked by what I had said to her. What's wrong with you? And she was like, and I could see, like, the little tears start to well up. And her eyes, her little lip began to quiver. And I had a moment. And I looked back and I said, that's all played out in my mind. I said, what did I just do? What did I just do to my child? She might have done something that is wrong. And trust me, parents, listen, I'm no soft parent. I, I, I do believe, I, I, I believe fully that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. So let's, let's get that straight. I will say that. Why? Because the Bible says so. Okay? But... But I do believe that you got to take moments to understand your children because as our job, it is our job as parents to guide children to who they are called to be in Christ Jesus. So as I said, what's wrong with you? I took a moment. I saw a face. I'm like, what did I just do? What I, I might have been disappointed in a decision that she made. But when I had a moment to think about it, I realized my own words made her feel as if she had issues when all she actually had was curiosity. If I would have taken the proper moment to be chill about the situation, instead of letting my anger overwhelm me, I would not have projected something on my child that could be detrimental to her in the future. See, I understand my role as a father. I know that my words are life to her, just like my heavenly father's words are life over me. So I'm very cautious with the things that I say to her. But in a moment where I could have corrected curiosity, I made her feel like she had a problem that I projected on her because she did something counter to what I would do myself. Parents, we had to be very careful, even in dealing with our children, not to rush 
to be quick draw McGraw, as I often call my wife, because it's funny, man. She fast. She's like, she's like Indiana Jones. <laughs> Parents, sometimes, before we're so quick to do that, if we take a moment to look at the situation again, then the outcome of the situation may end up differently. I had to take a moment to look again. You see, personally, what I believe is a lot of people's perspectives about life would be different if they took a moment to look again. So many of us just rush into situations based upon our first inclination, but we don't take a moment to think or look again. Jonah would have, I believe Jonah would have never run from Nineveh if he looked again and saw the place for its people instead of its problems. It's a prophet of God. If you're going to do work to help people, you need to look at people for who God sees them as, not for who you see them as. Look again, because your first look may be deceiving. I, I just, I want to I offer somebody some advice that I believe comes directly from the mouth of Jonah. Don't judge like Jonah something off a of first glance. Take a moment to think about that thing and look again. I've seen so many people, and I was one of them when I was 17 years old. I was like, man, I'm leaving Miami, and I'm never coming back. I'm sick of this place. I ended up right back here doing what God is calling me to do. Don't run from your city. Look again. Don't run from your friends that need to know Jesus, that don't know him the way that you do. Man, give them another chance. Look again. Don't run from your family. Some of y'all are like, man, you don't know my family. They crazy. Guess what? They need Jesus just like you. Look again. Don't run from an idea that is too big because you failed one time. We got a fashion business, me and my wife, that we've been working on for the last eight years. What most people don't know is that the first time we started a fashion business, it failed miserably. But guess what? Somebody in the household said, you know what? I'm going to take another look at this. I'm going to do this thing again. And now we have a store all the way in Miami, Florida, a brick and mortar store, and we sell our clothes to businesses all over the world. Why? Because we decided not to give up because a dream was too big. We looked again. Look again. Some of y'all, I'm sick of my spouse. No, look again. You said till death do us part. Till death do us part does not mean till annoyed do us part. Till I can't stand him do us part. Till she make me sick do us part. No, you need to look at her or him again the same way you looked at them when you said I do. Look again. God may want to refresh, renew, restore your marriage, but you have to look again to create an opportunity for love to come back because love is something that you choose every day when you wake up. I love that girl, and I can look at that girl right now and say I love her like I loved her the day that I first saw her, but it's even better than that. I love her even more than the first time that I saw her because she keeps giving me more reasons to love her, and even when she don't give me reasons to love her, I choose to love her. Look again. Look again. Don't run from your job. Look again. I'm sick of this job. I'd rather not have a job. That's dumb. <laughs> Look again. You you try like like you letting go of the, the life raft and, 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 and the boat to save you ain't show up yet. You better look real, then you better look close and look again. 
don't care what you're doing right now. Don't leave something. You, you ain't got something else to go to. Look again. Look at how crazy that job is. And this is the one I love. Don't run from that church. Look again. So, oh, I can't. Oh, I can't deal with this church because they be talking about people too much over there. Like you ain't never talked about somebody in your life. I, I can't deal with that church anymore. I don't like their praise and worship. You can't even sing. Look again. Look again. People leave churches for the silliest reason. People leave churches that ain't got nothing to do. That ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Like Jesus ain't do nothing to them. People did. So they, instead of them looking at Jesus again, they looking at people and they leaving. Jesus ain't offend you. A human did. Guess what? If humans offended Jesus, what you think they're going to do to you? Look again. Look again. Do not run from your responsibilities. Look again at the possibilities. Because when you see your problems through the lens of your purpose, you will be afforded a new perspective. But you have to take a moment to look again. It wasn't until Jonah said, I will look again towards your holy temple that things changed. This is the beautiful thing about Jonah. He wasn't even just saying, I'm going to look again. He's saying, I'm going to look again at God's house. I'm going to look again at the holy temple. See, some of us looking again, but we're looking at the wrong things when we should have kept our eyes on God's house. Some of us have been looking away from this house for a long time. How do I know? Because I remember where we were in January of 2020 before the pandemic came when we didn't have enough room for people in that building but some people have looked away from God's house in this pandemic instead of looking towards God's house in the pandemic and I totally understand why some people have not come back once again they are immunocompromised they don't live here they've moved away life has changed but for the person that ain't come back just cause it's more comfortable at home, I would implore you to look again. Comfort is not a reason to stay away from God's house because God's people were never called to be comfortable. We were called to look again. Take another look. Oh, ain't cool church opening back up. We ain't never been closed. Look again. I don't know. I can't mess with cool church. The pastor wears shorts. Let me tell you something. These shorts don't dictate the Holy Spirit going through my soul. Look again. Look again for the folks that, been, that have been away too long and you're away only because of your comfort level. See, now I ain't looking at y'all because y'all here. I'm looking at the camera. For the folks that have been away too long because you don't want to get your hair did. For the folks that have been away too long because you don't want to get out of your pajamas. You need to look again at this house. People still getting saved at this house. The community still being affected at this house. Lives are still changing at this house. New perspective is still found at this house. As far as I'm concerned, we're still the miracle in Miramar in this house. We ain't. Amen. Look again. You can't just look again. You got to make it right. Man could come back up. Got to make it right. Jonah. 2, 5 through 10 says, the engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the root of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. It says, but you, Lord, my God, brought my life up from the pit. 
when my life was ebbed away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. I love that. What I have vowed, I will make good. I love that Jonah gains new perspective in the place that God uses to sustain him that should have killed him. Side note, there are situations that you are in that you think will kill you, and God is actually just using it to sustain you to change your perspective. Say, so, well, what are you talking about? I know people that have got a diagnosis from a doctor that said it was over. What if God was just trying to change your perspective about your life through that diagnosis? I know those same people that have come off of that diagnosis completely healed, and now they're living for God in a way that they never lived before. But if it wasn't for the situation that they thought would kill them, they would have never changed their perspective. The whale should have killed him. The whale changed his perspective about his purpose. And I love this. Jonah has this revelation, and he says, I, he says, what I have vowed, I will make good. Another way to say that is, Jonah was like, all right, God, I messed up. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make it right. I'm going to make good on what I said I would do. What I promised I would do, I'm going to make good. I'm going to make it right. Jonah vows to do the right thing, and finally he goes to preach to Nineveh. And the truth is, a new perspective, hear me, is useless if you don't make it right. There is no point in looking again if you're not going to make it right. I'll say it even better. There's no point in revelation without activation. Listen, there's no point in revelation without activation. You say, what do you mean? What's the point of all these sermons? What's the point of the self-help books, the Bible verses, the life coaches, the quotes you put on your social media pages, the sermons you watch online from every pastor on the planet, if you're going to go out and do the same stuff you were doing before you put the revelation down. I see a lot of people that can quote a lot of things, but they go and live the same old life. You quote the latest revelation, but you go and live the same miserable life. The old folks say it like this, if you know better, do better. Do better. The only difference between you living the life that God has called you to and the life you're living right now is you doing better. Make it right. There's no point in knowing. Here's the reality. Now that we have a zillion sermons online, if I chose to stop preaching today and you just went back and watched the 150 messages that we've recorded online, if you actually just watched those and then did, here's the key. You ready for it? If you actually watched them and then did what the word said to do, your whole life would change. Pastor T, I need a message. No, you need to go do what the last one said to do. I could continue to give you news, and I will, because as God gives me revelation, it's my job to pour out revelation to his house, but there is no point of revelation without activation. Something in your soul needs to burn when you hear the word of God. It says, I'm not going to be the same person I was. I got to do something different today than what I did in my past because, man, my preaching is in vain and it is useless, the Bible says, if you don't actually have the faith to go and live it out. Say, Pastor, I don't even like the way you preach. Cool. 
Go read the Bible. Do what it says. And I promise you your life will change. I don't care, where, I don't care what point your life is in right now. You might, you might be like, man, my life is going well. Go read the Bible. Do what it says. It'll get better. Pastor Steve, my life is terrible. Even better. I, man, I hit rock bottom. Go read the Bible. Do what it says. Your life will get better. Man, I came for a revelation today. You already got one. Do better. Do better. I know that sounds silly. I, I know some people feel like I'm oversimplifying something that is highly profound. But the difference between people that win and people that don't is those that choose to do what is revealed to them. Revelation without activation is just useless wisdom. I don't need another quote in my life. I just need to do what God told me to do. See, some of y'all, we make life hard because we're stubborn. We don't want to do the right thing when we know it's the right thing. Like, there, there's somebody in this audience, and I don't know who it is. Do you know what you need to go home and do today? You need to go home and apologize. You don't even remember what you're fighting for. Make it right. There's somebody out there. You need to stop blaming people for the reason that you're in the issue that you're in right now. You need to go home and you need to make it right. So much just need to get off of the comfortable sidelines of God's house and stop getting spiritually fat by eating up all the revelation and never working it out by making it right in your actual life. Stop making excuses about why your life is the way it is. Do what Jonah did. Make it right. Because when you decide to make it right, don't be surprised when it starts going right. When you decide to make it right, it should be no surprise to you that things start going right. Look what happens. Jonah 2, 9 and 10. I'm almost done. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the, spit, the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. The moment he said, I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to take salvation to the people in Nineveh, the moment he said that, the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited him on the dry land. What's funny is that when Jonah vowed to make it right, when he actually decided to do something, he didn't even have to swim to get away from the fish. The fish spit him out on dry land. You notice that? Didn't say the fish spit him out in the middle of the water. It spit him out on the dry land. What's awesome about that? I'm going to tell you what's awesome. Making it right will always put you in the right place in the right time to get it right. Making it right will always put you in the right place at the right time to get it right. You see, Jonah realized salvation comes when you vow to make it right. And the people of Nineveh literally, when Jonah preached with a, with a sermon about, about the most high God, Nineveh, the most corrupt city, the capital of the Assyrian nation at the time. They turned to God because the man of God decided to make it right. And salvation came to them. You have a choice. Your deliverance will always be on the other side of you deciding to make it right. You see, I love Jonah because he takes three days and nights in the belly of a fish to have a change of perspective. But the miracle story of Jonah is only a type and shadow to introduce us in the Old Testament to who Jesus would be for us in the New Testament. And when we find Jesus, 
in the New Testament, the Pharisees of the day, they ridicule them. And Jesus calls them a wicked generation. And I love that Jesus uses the story of Jonah to speak to the generation that he had come to. Many theologians, there's so many different things about Jonah. They think that the story of Jonah is allegory, that it is a tale, that it is not real. But when Jesus cites Jonah in the New Testament, he's using the story of Jonah as historical fact. He is citing Jonah as an actual prophet that was actually in the belly of a fish that has to go to Nineveh. And this is what Jesus says about Jonah in Matthew 12, 40 through 41. He says... For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man, he's comparing himself to Jonah, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it. Why? Because the people of Nineveh listened to the prophet Jonah. But the reason the men of Nineveh will condemn this generation is because this generation has Jesus who is better than Jonah and people aren't listening. So Jesus says, the men of Nineveh will stand up in judgment to this generation and condemn it for they repented at the preaching of Jonah and now someone greater than Jonah is here. I want somebody to understand I know we spent a long time talking about Jonah, but Jonah is only a type and shadow of Jesus. For Jesus is the true and better Jonah. And I love Jesus because unlike Jonah, he is not an unwilling, disobedient prophet that God has to put into the belly of a large fish in order for him to change his perspective. But Jesus is the obedient son of God that spent three days in the belly of the earth so that he could save a lost and dying generation so that he could offer us a second look so that we get new perspective to give us all an opportunity, the favorable time for the attainment of the goal so that all of us can make it right. I love Jesus because just like Jonah, he spent time down, but he got back up so that I can hear the truth, so that I can find salvation. And if you choose today to look again at Jesus, you can also choose to make it right. If you believe it, say amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I told you this story today because I know there's somebody here or somebody watching that needs to change their perspective. Jesus Christ is the true and better Jonah who was obedient to his father unto death. He died on a cross. He spent three days in the belly of the earth and he rose again so that we could take a fresh look upon our Savior. We could look again, but he doesn't want you to just look at him again. Some of y'all ain't look at Jesus in a long time. He don't want you to just look at it again. He wants you to make a decision to make it right. With every head bowed, every eye closed, that's what I'm asking. You in this place today, or you watching online today, you say, Pastor, I want to make it right with Jesus. That's it. It's that simple. 
I, I've been hearing. I've been looking. Now I want to make it right. On the count of three. If you want to make it right with Jesus, don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Their perspective is their perspective. God's speaking to you to change your perspective. Now you have an opportunity to make it right. On the count of three, if you're here or you're online, nobody looking around, the count of three, you say, I want to make it right with Jesus. Raise your hand. Here we go. One, two, three. Hold it up. High enough and long enough for me to see it. I see you and you and you and you and you. Yep. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. We're going to say a prayer. The Bible says it like this in Romans 10. Now, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he is raised from the dead, you're saved. That's it. Confess and believe. Confess and believe. Let me so I want everybody, everybody to repeat this prayer after me, whether here or online. Everybody repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I've sinned. I've sinned. Not, proud Not proud of it, but I admit it. I admit Today, it. I lay my sin down. Take it, I Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I, want it anymore. I, reach I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness and take the place of my sin. I ask you would accept me and to your wonderful family. Today, I give my life to you, Lord. Make it right. Make it right. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Y'all give it up for the family. Hold on. We're going to go. Now, we celebrate salvation. And I'm proud of each and every one of y'all. I wish, I wish the tent wasn't here so you could look up into the clouds. Because if you could see past the clouds, you could see into the heavens. And I could tell you what's happening right now. I don't have to see it to know because I know what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you make it right, when you're right standing with your father, it says when one comes back to the father, there's a celebration in heaven. Oh, my goodness. The angels are dancing. The streets of gold are super shiny. The choir is singing. They got a spread laid out, and they are clapping and screaming for each and every one of you right now. I can't show you, but I can help you know what that sounds like. So on the count of three, family, y'all going to scream because we celebrate salvation. If you online, you better put more emojis in the chat than you ever put in your life. Count of three. And when, and when they clap, you see that sign that says, welcome to the family? Y'all going to walk that way. We got a free gift for you. Some people that just want to love on you, I promise you it's not weird. They just want to explain what just happened. So when they clap, y'all walk. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Let them know. Let them know God loves them. Let them know their sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let them know that they are celebrating. Let them know God is proud. Come on. My trust in you alone, and I will not be. See, I will build my. Thank you so much for listening. To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you've heard, please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.